All right, welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. Talking football tonight um, with Eddie Mitchum. Eddie, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. I'm ready to rock and roll. We're getting closer. The days are counting down. Yeah, we're about three weeks from the peak of draft season, I would say. Um, we talked quarterbacks a couple weeks ago, and then last week we did a 12-team um, live draft. And now we're getting back into our rankings, talking about running backs today. So, um, a lot of running back news lately with suspensions and injuries and a couple signings. Um, let's start right at the top. Um, before the suspension of Le'Veon Bell, which we still don't know if it's official that he's definitely going to be suspended. Um, Bell would have been, hands down, the top running back on the board for all of us. And my question to you now is, is Todd Gurley the top running back or is David Johnson the top running back um, on your board right now? Uh, For me, until we figure out what's up with Bell, I'm going to keep him up there. Uh, But I guess at this point in time, it it, it is a four-game suspension. We have to wait for it to get overturned. Um, If I was going to unseat Bell, I would go Gurley. Does the format matter to you at all? Would you take Gurley in standard and Johnson in PPR, or it doesn't matter to you? I don't think it matters much to me. I think it's closer PPR for me, but I, I think I believe in Gurley more. Um, I just I kind of have to see it to believe it more. And I, Johnson was great late, but I feel like Gurley did more. Um, I feel like he's going to score more, too. Um, like the Cardinals are, are willing to go go ahead and air it out. I feel like it's girly or nothing. A lot of people are worried about him seeing stacked boxes and things like that. Things like that. He saw it last year and dominated for a good while. He hit a couple rough patches, but to me, I just think Gurley's a stud. Yeah, definitely not worried about the volume there, um, especially with the news that Trey Mason just needs to get his life together. Um, you know, I don't want to poke fun at it because he's obviously dealing with some issues, but... I'm not really worried about Benny Cunningham taking any carries away from him at this point. So the volume with Gurley is going to be awesome. Um, the one concern I have about David Johnson, are there two other running back mouths to feed with Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington? And I think we could see Johnson getting spelled, especially late in games, if Arizona's blowing some teams out like they normally like to do. So I think Johnson will be great when he's on the field, but I think the volume of how much Gurley means to the Rams and how much he'll be on the field, I think probably moves that needle in favor of Gurley for me. Yeah, that's I completely agree with that. I think uh, they're going to try and save David Johnson a little bit, I think. Seeing how great he was down the stretch against worn-out and beat-up defenses, I think they want to try and keep him a little fresher as they get down to it. They, they're making no mistake about it. They're talking about it in their training camp. They're kind of Super Bowl or bust is their mentality. So I think they're going to do what it takes to win the Super Bowl, not really what it takes for anyone to win their fantasy championships. So um, when you hear that, that's kind of scary because they obviously they want to stay healthy and not just feed Gurley like they're going to have to in, sing, they're in Los Angeles now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think those are the clear top two running backs, though. What I want to do first is, you know, we talked about Le'Veon Bell here briefly. I just want to see where he falls in for you. So I'm going to start rattling off some names and just tell me if you'd rather have that person or Le'Veon Bell right now on August 3rd. So 
We have Gurley and Johnson ahead, so next guy I'll go with is Adrian Peterson. Peterson or Bell? We're saying with this four-game suspension? Yeah, where it sits right now. Where it sits right now, I would, I'd have to take Peterson. Okay. Uh, Lamar Miller. I'd take Bell. I'm, I'm going to be the Miller hater for this podcast. Okay. I, I'm big on Lamar Miller. I would take Miller over Bell. Um, Jamal Charles. Mm, I think that's another one where you're going to see them not giving him the volume that we're used to seeing. I think they want to have him for more of the season. I think that's real close to me. I think I'd go Charles just because of the suspension, but that's real close. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming back around on Charles this year because I feel like the value is starting to get to a point where he's worth taking a shot on. Um, I know you mentioned the volume with him, but Charles to me is a, a arguably the biggest home run hitting threat out of the running out of the running game and also the receiving game out of the backfield. So I'm not sure that he needs the 25-touch volume that some of these other guys need. I mean, he can do a lot of damage with 15 touches. Um, all right, so... Yeah, I agree with that. He's definitely a home run threat. What about Doug Martin? I'd go Bell. Okay. I would probably have Martin ahead of Bell. Um, right now. And then I guess the last guy that maybe there would be a debate on, but I don't think there is now with news of an injury for him, is Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Elliott or Bell? Um, Bell for me. I'm not, I'm not big on Elliott either. Okay, so um, you're pretty high on Bell still. I'd probably have him around the 7 or 8 range. I think that's a good spot for him. I would have Gurley, Charles, Peterson, David Johnson, Doug Martin, and Lamar Miller ahead of him. I would have Bell ahead of Elliott, though, uh, right now. So, um, top 6 or 7, I think, are pretty strong. And then when you get into Le'Veon Bell, that's when you start to have some question marks with some guys. Is there anybody that I missed that I didn't mention that you may consider taking over Le'Veon Bell. No, I don't think so. I think right around, I'd probably have Bell around five, six. Uh, but the names you mentioned, I think a lot of them are right there in the ballpark. I think any of it's debatable. It's just all about preference. And for me, when I look at a lot of the rankings I'm looking at and a lot of the things that people are saying, I just want to have seen it before I highly invest in guys. To me, when I look at the top rankings of these running backs this year, I just see three or four potential C.J. Andersons of this year, and it freaks me out. I want to get a guy that I know is going to do what I want him to do if I'm going to spend the money on him in a in a auction format or you know spend that, that high first or second round draft pick. I want something that I, I know what I'm getting. Um, and with guys like Lamar Miller, it scares me. Like I feel like there's some concerns. I mean, the Dolphins just didn't want to use him, and I don't know why. And I feel like maybe if he gets this huge workload, there's an injury coming. 
I don't know. I just I want to see it before I believe it. I feel like. Yeah, Houston's been able to do some things um, with running backs, and there really seem to be a one running back system. They don't like to go in and out of guys. So I think that's the intrigue with Miller and definitely um, why people are excited about him. He was always pretty good with Miami, but the volume was not there with him. And we're hoping now with this better situation um, that the volume will be there for him and it'll turn into some catches, some touchdowns, um, a really nice season for Lamar Miller. So, you know, we did, we've done a couple drafts now with each other and I feel like you gotta get one of these top one or two running backs. I liked the twelve team draft that we did where we went zero RB, but it's just not something that I'm totally comfortable with. Um, so getting one of these guys like a Lamar Miller at the back end of the first round, I'm pretty excited about because I think the top twelve receivers one is a lot closer to twelve than if you don't get one of the top six or seven running backs. We said when we did our draft, we're both kind of out on the zero running back strategy, and then we we were kind of our hand was kind of forced with the way it went. Um, but yeah, a lot of the people I've listened to that talk about zero RBs are kind of retracting that statement, realizing that you kind of need one of these guys. I listened to a show today where they did the first the first round, and I think it was uh, seven receivers and five running backs. So I mean, that's not a whole lot of guys going zero RB to me. Yeah. And zero RB means a lot of different things to a lot of people. Um, zero RB to me doesn't necessarily mean I'm taking Eddie Lacy in the third round or, you know, Doug Martin in the, you know, maybe in the third round. Um, zero RB to me means that I'm getting two starting receivers, a receiver at flex, and a quarterback and tight end before I start plucking running backs. That's, that to me is the true meaning of zero RB. Um, you agree with that? Well, I mean, when I think zero RB, I'm thinking like really the first two rounds, three rounds, you're not looking at running backs. Um, not really as deep as going quarterback and things like that because I think the tendency has become to wait on that. We talked about that with the quarterback show, so I don't really throw quarterbacks into that. To me, zero RB is just really those first two rounds because if you don't go running back in the first two rounds – really you really almost become what you're talking about a zero RB strategy because you almost are going to pluck quarterbacks and things first because the running backs are so slim by that time you almost get forced into that situation yeah like I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton in the third round than like a Latavius Murray that's my opinion right so that's why I kind of feel like I agree with that yeah you're forced into getting top players at the quarterback and the tight end position rather than reaching for one of these risky guys in the 8-12 to 12 range, which we'll get into right now. Um, guys in the 8-12 to 12 range for me, Devontae Freeman, uh, Mark Ingram, uh, LaShawn McCoy, maybe an Eddie Lacy, um, maybe a Latavius Murray. Where do you stand on those guys? Is there anyone that stands out to you as you being higher on than anyone else? I think if I had to be higher on any of them, it would probably be 
Mark Ingram because I, I feel like he is the least pushed from behind. I think he's going to get the majority of everything. The catch numbers I don't think are going to be there. I think people are going to be disappointed that are spending the real high first-round picks on him. Um, but I think I'm higher on Ingram than the rest of them. And second behind that, as shocking as it is for me to say, I think I'd have to be highest on Lacey. Um, out of those guys, you know, I like Ingram. Uh, I know you said he won't get pushed much from behind, but Tim Hightower was pretty good last year. But I think Ingram's in line for a steady dose of the goal line touches. So that keeps Ingram's value because uh, I think the Saints showed last year that when they get in the red zone now, they're not afraid to run it um, and really make Ingram the feature you know, inside the 20. So I like Ingram, but I think the guy out of this group that I'm highest on and you'll probably be shocked about this, is Devontae Freeman. Um, and second for me would actually be McCoy. I like McCoy and Buffalo's offense. You know, with Rex, they're going to run the ball. And Tyrod Taylor certainly helps him. Um, McCoy had a really nice season when he was able to be healthy last year. So I think McCoy will have another nice year in Buffalo. But Freeman, as much as I'm skeptical, and as much as I wouldn't use a first or second rounder on him, if he was there in the third, I'd probably jump on it because I love the situation he's in with you know, having Julio Jones, and I think Sanu's going to be good, and I know you're a big Hardy fan, Justin Hardy fan. Um, I think Freeman, I think we could still see probably like a 60-catch season from him, so I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, I think, I think Freeman's still going to be good, don't get me wrong. I'm just not willing to spend what you spend to get him yeah. I, I, I don't think anyone's going to see a draft where he's sitting there in the third round I mean I'd scoop him in the third round too I just don't think it's happening um, and that first or second round pick I, I, if I'm going to get a running back in the first or second round I want to make sure it's one of those top guys we talked about earlier instead of what I think could end up being a gamble this year in Freeman yeah, I think Freeman falls in drafts where people still take quarterbacks in the first and second rounds, and I think a majority of fantasy players nowadays don't do that. So I think you're right in the sense that for the price that we're willing to pay for Freeman, he's probably a guy that neither of us will own this year. So um, I, I like the back end of the, the top 15 receivers or so better than I like Freeman, so... I'd be willing to go for like a an Allen Robinson or an Alshon Jeffrey before I go for a Devontae Freeman. Absolutely. Where where do you stand on McCoy since you didn't mention him? I, I mentioned how much I, I think LaShawn McCoy is still gonna be a good running back. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind having as my running back one. Yeah, I, I like McCoy. I like what he brings. I still think he's explosive. I'm just concerned on, are you going to get 16 games out of him, or are you going to get 10 to 12? I mean, if we're if we're willing to drop guys like Bell so far because of a four-game suspension, I mean, I'm, I'm almost willing to think that McCoy's going to miss four games as well, so I kind of drop him a little bit. I uh, still think he's explosive, but man, he took so many carries those years in Philly, he's just, he's wearing down, and I mean, that's not a mystery to anyone, so... I'm excited about him, like more of a daily guy with the right matchup. You know he can explode when he's healthy. 
But to own him season long, I think there's a lot of risk with it. There could be a lot of rewards some weeks, but um, I just want steady guys. I feel like I'm going to be able to plug and play in the lineup. Yeah, maybe, you know, the fact that Carlos Williams is serving a four-game suspension to start the year definitely helps McCoy. Maybe you take McCoy with the thought that you hope he has a couple big games early and you flip him and you buy low on maybe a Jamal Charles or even, you know, if the Bell owner gets frustrated, um, you know, maybe you flip McCoy and something else for Bell. So I think there's some value in that with McCoy, especially, as I mentioned, with Williams missing the first four games for his suspension. some of the receptions away from LaShawn McCoy in a PPR format? No. I mean, that's the only way That's the only way that they could possibly use him. I don't really see where Reggie Bush makes any sense in 2016 in the NFL. So, it's kind of where I'm at with that. It's just, To me, that's just a typical Rex Ryan team move. Get the guy with the name for what? There's guys that have never played it down that are better than Reggie Bush at this at this point in his career. Yeah, they got thinned out in a hurry, so I feel like they just needed someone. I mean, you're right; it, it's it's a wreck signing, but I also feel like they'll they're gonna find a way to use him and, and see what he can do. Uh, be interesting to see in the preseason how they kind of use him and, and see what he does, and then then we'll know more if it seems like he's gonna get touches or if he's just kind of there alright a guy that you have a lot invested in this year Thomas Rawls um, some concerns about him coming back from his injury but I think you know I probably should have Rawls up closer in that range of the running backs I just mentioned I definitely like Rawls better than a Latavius Murray who I just mentioned in that previous group um what are you expecting from Rawls as the Rawls owner in our in our keeper league? I'm freaked out <laughs> by Rawls. I mean, I have I have to keep him at three dollars, but I'm freaked out because I don't like at the end of the season. I thought I had a guy that I was starting a year with a solid running back, and now it just seems like as the season's getting closer, there's a lot of mystery behind him. I feel like they're not talking a lot about his recovery. Uh, they're kind of letting us in the dark with how that's going. It seems like he's not going to touch the practice field until week one of the regular season, which is scary because by that point, they might fall in love with someone else. Uh, they're not really tied to him. They didn't draft him. Uh, they seem to like C.J. Procise. Uh, he's being compared to some some pretty good guys. A lot of a couple of David Johnson comparisons I'm reading about with Procise. That, that, that's lofty, I think. But people are saying he's a similar type player. I haven't seen it, but I don't know. People were really talking up process. It has me worried about Rawls. I mean, he was there for just a short stint. He was explosive. Um, but I don't know what the split in the carries is going to look like and what his workload's going to be like. Got to keep him for $3 and hope for the best, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm excited about Rawls. I think he'll be fine. I think Seattle is still a team that wants to uh, run the football despite the nice season that Wilson had last year. So I like Rawls this year. I think you have a great steal, like I said, at $3. Um, And I think he's probably likely to be a top 10 running back by the end of the season. So 
Um, I would take a gamble on Rawls if I was doing that zero RB after, and I didn't have a running back after round three or so. I would be excited about getting Rawls in round four. Um, yeah, I think we did that in a draft. I think we kind of zero RBs and came back with Rawls as our first running back, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, Rawls, and I think on that team we have DeMarco Murray as well. And I want to talk about Murray next, and I want to lump him with Carlos Hyde. Um, we saw Murray last year struggle in Chip Kelly's offense. Wasn't a good fit. Um, I tend to think that Carlos Hyde has a similar skill set to DeMarco Murray as you know a straightforward runner. And Hyde is now going to be in Chip Kelly's offense. So where do you stand on these two guys? Um and who do you expect more from this year? Because I know Hyde really frustrated you. Last year, you had him for quite a bit in our one league. Yeah, the thing that frustrated Hyde is he just started getting dinged up. I really like Hyde. I think he's talented. Um, I think he's going to be okay in this offense. I think you're you're not far off saying he's similar to Murray in the fact that they're both bruising runners. But coming out of Ohio State, I think he's got a little bit more experience with that spread offense. You know, Murray ran it in college too, but he was in the pros for a long time. I think Hyde's going to fit in there nicely, and I think the fact that Chip Kelly finally has a quarterback that can kind of run his system and and do the things. No one was respecting Sam Bradford on a fake read option. I think people are going to have to respect that, and it's going to open up huge running lanes for Hyde. I kind of like him uh, this year. I don't love him, but... You know, in the back end, like you said, you're going to zero RBs. I'm okay with taking a hide. Um, as far as Murray, I'm not. I'm not sure how good he's going to be. I don't. I don't think the Titans are very good offensively yet. Um, I don't really like Murray. I think he was kind of a product of what he had to run behind in Dallas. So, I mean, the jury's out on him. He could come out and be absolutely terrible, and and they want to get Derrick Henry worked in there. Yeah, Hyde, um, are we sure that <laughs> Colin Kaepernick is going to be the quarterback there? I, I don't know how he's not. I don't know how Chip Kelly's not going to fall in love with that. That's that's where I stand, too. But, you know, right now, today, at, on August 3rd, Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbard are splitting first-team reps. I don't know if that's just out of respect for Gabbard not being awful last year um, or if that's really a thing in San Francisco. But I think that that really makes a big difference in how Hyde should be valued on draft day. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, a lot of these situations we're talking about, the later you wait to draft, the better um, you're drafting now. A lot of mysteries out there. It's obviously better to wait. Um, I just don't see how Kaepernick doesn't doesn't win that job. Um, all right, so two guys that were consensus first rounders last year, who both ended up being busts, were C.J. Anderson and Jeremy Hill. One I am really excited about this year, and another I don't want any parts of. Can you guess which one I'm excited about and which one I'm not interested in out of those two guys? excited about C.J. Anderson? Nope. No? No. Jerry Hill? I, I, thought, I thought we've said enough to know him on any part of Cincinnati's backfield that it would not be that answer. 
Um, here's where I'm at with Hill right now. Um, the price is too low for a guy who, as bad as he was last year, um, continued to get the amount of work that Jeremy Hill got. So I think that he's still the goal line guy in Cincinnati. And I still think when you get into the point where Jeremy Hill is getting drafted, he's probably the best bet to get 20 carries week in and week out out of that group. So I like Jeremy Hill. C.J. Anderson, um, I just feel like Denver's in for, and I think this is probably a popular opinion, C.J. Anderson and Denver, they're in for a completely different season than they had last year. Um, Maybe a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover for those guys, and I'm not sure that C.J. Anderson's good. I completely agree with you. I would have said Hill for myself, but I thought you and Shane were both typically in the stay away from Cincinnati backfield. The thing with Hill, like you said, he's going to get the goal line carries. The thing that scares me with him, I feel like you can, you can always put him into a flex spot and I guess be okay with it. Uh, if you're shooting for you know eight points out of your flex, you, you might be okay there and get some explosions from him. You're going to get a couple, two, three touchdown games out of him. I just hate the fact that you're going to miss a lot with him too, I feel like. Um, there's going to be games where I feel like he doesn't get hardly anything. Um, that's scary for me. But I think if I'm deciding between those two in that range, I think it's Hill all day because there's going to be a lot more touchdowns for him. Well, one other thing in regards to Cincinnati, they lose Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu. Um, so that hurts um, the receiving game and Eifer is a pup candidate to start the year so I'm not sure that they're going to be able to throw as much as they maybe did last year Um, I think Hill could maybe become a focal point next to A.J. Green of this offense so kind of excited about how the losses in the receiving game maybe help Hill out yeah I could definitely see that I think they're going to have to rely on rely on it a lot more than they have in the past like, like he's the kind of guy that could turn into that workhorse with Bernard being really the third down guy it, it could definitely shape out that way with CJ Anderson there's a heck of a lot more mystery in what's going to happen there than there is with Hill I think Yeah. so we just talked about throwing games so it's time to get into the two PPR monster running backs um, Danny Woodhead and Deion Lewis Lewis was a breakout star in the beginning of the season before he went down with a knee injury. And Woodhead was one of the better running backs last year in fantasy, but it was frustrating at times. Um, There were some weeks where if you were relying on Danny Woodhead, you ended up losing. And then there were weeks where he was the difference maker and you won because of him. Um, Who do you prefer out of these two guys this season? Tough to get going. 
it's tough to read blocks when you don't really know what guys are doing in front of you because there's a different guy there every week. So I really think that they're going to want to get him going. Um, and I think that Woodhead becomes just a third down specialist. And you can't really rely on a lot of touches that way. Deion Lewis, I think, is going to be the guy um, kind of shaping into like a, th- a three down back there for them in, in New England. Yeah, I agree. Woodhead seemed to be the beneficiary of just how bad Melvin Gordon was last year. Um, and then, of course, Gordon gets injured, so Woodhead becomes basically the feature guy in San Diego. He also was the benefactor of how bad the Chargers were, and I think that may rear its ugly head again this year because I'm not sure San Diego is going to be good again this year. I expect them to be probably one of the worst teams in the AFC again, so um, maybe Woodhead gets some garbage time um, catches and yards there, and maybe that elevates him a little bit. But I think Deion Lewis is a huge part of what New England wants to do. Like you said, I think he's clearly the best running back on that Patriots team. Um, And I think they were starting to get to a point where he wasn't just a third-down guy. Like you said, he was a three-down back um, for a little bit there when he was really breaking out in the beginning of the season. And they're going to have to lean on some guys with Brady out for the first four games and... Um, Julian Edelman coming back off an injury. So I think it's going to be a lot of Gronk and Lewis the first couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about Deion Lewis. I have him rated pretty high. Yeah, I think on one of the podcasts I kind of went after him a little bit. But with the Brady thing coming down, like you're saying, with Edelman coming back, he's got to be a focal point. There's only so many guys that can move the ball for you, and he's definitely going to have to be one of them. So uh, I'm definitely bumping him up as the season gets closer. Yeah, definitely a guy you want to go out and target um, in, the, in those PPR formats. Two guys that I don't think we know much of anything about, but their situations seem to be pretty good, are Amir Abdullah and Matt Jones. Uh, a lot of hype from both those guys last year coming into their rookie seasons. Both, I would say, were pretty disappointing, but I think both showed some flashes at times. Is there a guy you're interested out of those two, or are they both stay away guys for you? I don't love either one, but I think for the right price, and I think it's going to be pretty low, I'd rather invest in Matt Jones. I, th- I think he's got more of a defined role. I think Thompson's still going to be their third down guy, but I think he's the early down guy and the goal line guy. Um, Amir Abdullah, I still feel like that backfield's a, a potential mess. Um, and Abdullah's best quality is kind of catching out the backfield, and Theo Riddick's better at it. So that scares me. I, I think he's not going to get utilized in his best way because they have a guy that does that better. Um, who knows what the touches are going to be there. Who knows if Zenner gets back in there and gets some touches as well. Um, so I think I would lean Matt Jones. I think he's still an explosive guy. Uh, the thing that really hampered him last year was the fumbles. Um, sure, he's probably got that shirt up a little bit this year so they can keep a job at the league. Well, I differ on this one with you as well. I'd rather have Abdullah. Um, not, I'm not totally concerned about some of the other guys in the backfield taking away some touches from him. I know catching the ball out of the backfield is a big thing for him. Like you said, Riddick um, is obviously 
really good in that PPR format. But um, I think I think there's some room for someone to become the Lions' best player on offense. Um, and I'm willing to take a chance on Abdul with how much everybody loved him coming into last season. Um, never willing to necessarily throw away um, my opinion of someone based on their rookie season in the NFL. So another year in the Lions offense, another year of NFL experience for Abdullah. I think he has a chance to really be something special this year because I'm just not sure that the Lions can put up points really relying on Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. I like Tate and Jones this year because I think the Lions will be bad, but I think Abdullah is going to have to be a feature back for them if they plan on doing much of anything offensively. So the one thing that I don't like about Jones, as dynamic and as athletic as he seemed to be last year, is the Redskins just were not good at running the football last year. I don't know if that has to do with Jones or the fact that Alfred Morris was just atrocious last year, but they just seem to be a team that's going to sling it 30, 40 times a game. They're okay with you know, letting Kirk Cousins be that guy for them. So that's my concern about Jones. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't really, I probably won't have any Matt Jones this year, but I definitely want to try and get some Amir Abdullah. I think they're I think they're comparable running backs. So, all right, um, just a couple more names here. Matt Forte, where do you, where do you stand on Forte? I think I like Forte. I think he's gonna bring a, a different option to this offense. Um, I don't know how much they try to save him. I, I think they're still gonna try and get Powell involved. It concerns me as well because he's been really good out of the backfield as well and I think that they might use Powell in that role just to kind of save Forte but I, th- I think I still like him um, I'm not I'm not completely high on him he's not a guy that I'm targeting but I, I think I still find some value in him I, I'm anxious to see what the price is going to be on him I feel like a lot of people in the snake drafts we've done are not really jumping out that high on him so in the auction format I'm excited to see kind of where he falls in. Yeah, Forte's a guy that if he was my running back two after draft day, I think I'd be okay with that. Um, He seems to have a knack for finding the end zone, and I think that's going to be his role um, on the Jets. You know, we saw Decker and Marshall score a ton of touchdowns last year, and I'm not sure that the Jets feel like they're going to sneak up on people with those two guys again this year. So I think they needed to add a dynamic running back like Forte that can do a couple different things in the red zone and really give them another guy that can really push it across the goal line. Um, we saw Chris Ivory do really well in this offense last year, and I think a lot more of Matt Forte as a player than Chris Ivory. So 
We'll see. I'm definitely concerned about Pal eating into some of that um, that workload because Bilal Pal showed last year that he he's a baller, man. He's got some game in him, so that's definitely something to be worried about. But I still like Forte and the body work of his career. Um, all right, so two AFC North running backs, Giovanni Bernard and Duke Johnson. A little different in the sense that Johnson seems to be the clear guy in Cleveland and Gio Bernard's not more often than, you know, there's some games where Cincinnati's losing in the fourth quarter and Gio becomes the guy when they need to throw more. But do you have a preference between these two? I'm thinking we're both going to take Duke over Gio here. Yeah, absolutely. I think I like Duke going into this year. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for being able to run in between the tackles, and I think if he gets the opportunity, he can definitely do it. He did it at Miami. He's an explosive guy. If he gets a seam, he can outrun a lot of guys. Um, and I kind of like I like that they put him in the slot last year and used him. I think they're still going to have to do that. I still don't think they're a good team. Um, so when they're down, they're going to be using him. I think they're down a lot more than Cincinnati is. Um, so he's going to be on the field a lot more than Bernard if we're going to say they're both kind of in that role. Um I think we both agree that Isaiah Crowell is just not good. <laughs> no, so, he's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Duke this year. I'm kind of high on him. It's interesting because, you know, we've, the last couple guys we've talked about in this 19 to 25 range, we both like some of them, and we'd both be willing to take a shot on some of these guys. And I almost feel like I like these this group of guys better than that first group that I mentioned, that 8 to 12 range. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think this, you just have to stockpile running backs. Yeah, we talked about it a lot with handcuffing and things like that. You just have to have options. Um, it seems like the running back that plays sixteen games is just hard to find nowadays. Uh, workloads are so split. If one guy goes down, there's going to be an uptick for a lot. I think you just need to find yourself a lot of options. Finding, you know, a couple guys you like in each tier and kind of going after them, I think, is the way to go about it. And just kind of giving yourself different avenues to work with with your roster each week. Well, right. well, two guys, speaking of staying on the field, what do you expect from Ryan Matthews and Arian Foster this season? I don't know what to expect from Matthews. Are we sure he's going to be the guy? That's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure of anything in Philadelphia. <laughs> That's a bad team. I'm not either. The one thing I am sure of in Philadelphia is that Jordan Matthews is going to drop a lot of balls. Um, he'll, probably catch, far, he'll probably catch a lot, too, because they're going to be down by 20 a lot, I think. I think so, too. Um, but, yeah, Ryan Matthews, he showed he still had it last year when he was healthy, but he's just never been healthy. I feel like that's a guy, when you draft him, you're praying for 10 games. Yeah. And, like, that would be a good season for him. Yeah, because those, um, those 10 games are going to be elite. It's just you're not going to get much more than that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what he can do if he can stay healthy. Um, who was the other one you said? Foster. Foster. I, we talked before we came on. I think I'm starting to buy into the Foster thing. I kind of – I think I was quicker to do it than you. As soon as he was picked up by them, I said, Ajayi's stock just plummeted. And you kind of disagreed with me for a little bit there. Um, but I think he's going to end up being the guy. I, I don't think – Ajayi is that good. 
he showed he can catch the ball and do some things with it last year. I think that's one of a good asset for him, but I think that's gonna be the role of Foster. And I just feel like they're gonna have to use him. They need they need some explosiveness out of their backfield. I don't think a Jai brings that to them. Well, if you're expecting ten games from Ryan Matthews, how many can you realistically expect from Aaron Foster? Eight. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the last three years, people were drafting him, people were ranking him, saying like, this can't continue. It's just been a string of bad luck for the guy, but it keeps happening. Um, it makes you wonder. So I, you're you're definitely drafting him, not expecting a full season out of him. Is it safe to say that if you go out and get Foster, you have to get a Jai too? I think so. I think so, and I, I hate that situation. We yeah. talked about that with the draft we were doing just recently. I think it was the 12th team where we did on the air. We both, we said before the draft, if, if Bell falls to us, we have to get D'Angelo. And it kind of scared us off of Bell because we knew we were going to have to pay up for D'Angelo. And I just I hate that situation. I'd rather steer, steer clear of it. I don't want to take up two roster spots just to cover one backfield and make sure I have a starter every week. Yeah. Two, two veteran running backs that I think are underrated right now because they're both in pretty good offenses are Jonathan Stewart and Frank Gore. Um, why why is Jonathan Stewart in particular? Gore, Gore, I think we can chalk up a lot of his struggles last season to the fact that Indy just had a nightmare season. I think we'd all be okay with expecting more out of Gore with those guys healthy, but... Why is Jonathan Stewart being discounted so highly? I don't know. I was wondering the same thing the other day. I don't. I don't know why people loved him last year, and now all of a sudden he's fallen off. I, I don't know if it's the fact that he got dinged up at the end of the season. Um, if people are still loving Cam Newton, they should still be liking Jonathan Stewart. I think he's going to be still a focal point of that offense, and he's still the guy. Um, he's got a lot of a lot of mileage on the tires, but I, I still think he's a good back. Um, I'm definitely higher on Frank Gore, though. I think Frank Gore was just shy of a 1,000 yards last year on a bad team. I mean, a team that they weren't running the ball late either because they were always down. I, I kind of like Gore. still think he's the guy, and I think he's definitely their goal line guy. Um, and the team's going to be better this year. Andrew Luck's going to be better. I think that's going to open up a lot for Gore, and I think we're going to see him have a pretty nice season. Yeah, I, I like Gore this year too. I'd be okay if he was my RB2 or my flex after draft day, but I'm pretty sure the Panthers are still going to be one of the best teams in the NFC. Are we sure? I know you're not as high on them, as, but their defense is still going to be good. And um, I think in the trenches, they're one of the better teams in the league. So I'm pretty sure Stewart's still going to get some touches in favorable situations where he's running the clock down at the end of games. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they're still going to be a good football team. I, I don't expect Cam to to reproduce what he did last year. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think they're still winning a lot of their games and, and Stewart's definitely still their bell cow. Alright, where do you stand on Jeremy Langford? Because I think he stinks. I think that that's going to turn into an open job by like week four because I don't think he's good either a um, couple explosive games last year but the yards, the yards per carry are just awful 
I don't think he's that good. Everyone wants to believe that he is, I guess, because he came from the same place as Bell, but I don't think he's very good either. Yeah. Um, I wish Shane was on the podcast with us right now because he loves Jeremy Langford, and I'm just not sure why. But um, we'll see. I don't think that's a great situation in Chicago right now either with that offense. Cutler's awful, and um, I could just see a situation where Alshon Jeffrey gets really frustrated and kind of mails it in. I don't know. It's not good to say because we have a lot of Jeffrey right now, but um, I don't know. Chris Ivory and Rashad Jennings. Any love for those two guys? Yeah, I like I like Ivory a little bit here. I, I think something they were lacking was that that uh, red zone runner, and I think Ivory brings that to them. Uh, when you're using shoelace as your goal line back, that says something. Shoelace. Last year, so Ivory's definitely going to be their goal line guy. Um, I think the split's going to be in his favor more here. I think they kind of. I feel like they want to give TJ Yeldon a chance to grow. Like, I feel like they they don't think he's ready yet. Um, I think he is going to be very good, but I just don't think that this is the year for it. I think Ivory gets the benefit of the split there. Um, so I, I do like Chris Ivory. I think he's got a couple multi-touchdown games in him. Um, I know we talked about it with the format, the best ball format we were drafting, and I think he's a guy you love in a best ball format because he's going to have some multi-touchdown games. Uh, Rashad Jennings, uh, I feel so mixed about him because I feel like I've had so much of him over the last two years. He was good to close out the season last year when he was finally healthy, but he's another guy that's never healthy. Um, And I I really like Paul Perkins to have a chance to take that job by storm. So I'm kind of out on Jennings. I think if you get Jennings, you have to get Perkins. And I would rather just get Perkins and hope that he wins out that job than have both of them. Yeah, I don't really want a ton of stock in the Giants running game. Um, just don't really know who the guy is, and yeah, just don't have a ton of interest in what they're doing there. Um, who Give me like your two or three favorite handcuffs for late-round picks. Two or three favorite handcuffs. Um, well, I feel like you can't even count D'Angelo in that because of the suspension. Yeah, he's not a late-round pick anymore. No. Um, I think I like Paul Perkins and Kenneth Dixon as two rookies. I've talked them both up a lot. I think they're both guys that can win the job uh, later in the season. And also, I think I'd have to go James Starks, even though I think that Lacey kind of gets back on track this year. I, I think I still like James Starks and what he brings. He's kind of an established guy. He's still going to get touches. And if Lacey goes down for any period of time, James Starks definitely is going to be the bell cow guy. So I think he's a good guy to kind of stash because he's the kind of guy that you can see huge bidding wars for on the waiver wire when and if Lacey goes down. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, a couple guys that I like. As far as later on handcuffs, I like DeAndre Washington in Oakland. I like Oakland as an up-and-coming team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, not to say that their defense their defense is going to be pretty good too this year, I think, but 
as I mentioned, I'm not a huge Latavius Murray fan, so I think Washington has a chance to do some things with that job in Oakland. Um, I also like Wendell Smallwood for the Eagles because of the fact that, like you said, we don't really know how much Ryan Matthews can really play um, and play healthy. So definitely would take a chance on Smallwood there. And then another guy that um, probably interested in grabbing a piece of this year is Jarek McKinnon. Um, You know, Adrian Peterson... Another year older. We've seen him have a couple injuries in his career. They may be freak injuries, but he's taken a lot of hits and a lot of mileage. And just the way that that offense is built, if you can get McKinnon, he ends up being the guy. I think you have a real nice, a real nice uh, handcuff there. Yeah, I agree with the first two. I'm not sure that. Jarek McKinnon doesn't find himself in a split if Peterson was out. So that one, I don't know if I'm all in on that one. Yeah, I just thought it was, I think he's a guy that, especially if you're the Peterson owner, you got to go out and get. So, I'm, I'm not, it depends on the league. I normally like to start handcuffing my guys midway through the season. Um... You know, in the draft, I want to take as I'm going to get as many starters as I can, obviously, and then I just want to take some flyers on some guys that I don't really like the situation that they're in, um, and I think that they have a chance to leapfrog whoever the the number one is in that situation. So that's maybe why I like Smallwood and Washington. Um, you know, but I, I don't really find a ton I think in like a 10 team league where you're going to have more starting running backs I think it's more important to handcuff your guys in a 12 team league I'm trying to hit a couple home runs with these picks yeah I agree you just got to be patient enough to hold on to those guys um you know when when the times get tough if they don't immediately get the return that you were hoping for Anybody else that we didn't talk about that you have any opinion of or anything that you wanted to mention as far as running backs? I think we covered just about everyone. I think I'd throw Tevin Coleman in there as yeah. the handcuff option. I think that's an obvious one. I'm not sneaking that in on anybody. Um, and, I, and we talked briefly about CJ Proslice. I think he's another one that you kind of got to get a piece of, especially if you're drafting today or tomorrow, uh, as the preseason goes, I think we'll get a more clear read on when Rawls will be back. Um, but I think he's another guy that you might want a piece of. Yeah, and uh, Spencer Ware is another guy. I mean, he showed last year that he's really good. Just don't know how much opportunity he's going to get. Obviously, Charles, another guy that's dealt with some injuries in his career. But that's Kansas City's good situation to be in as a running back. Yes, sir. So, all right, that pretty much wraps up running backs. Um, I got a trivia for you since Shane's not here. Nice, let's do it. Uh, it's kind of a th- it's kind of a three parter, leading to the the last question being the toughest. First question would be the NFL career leader for receiving touchdowns is who? 
active no. on all time. Uh, Jerry Rice. Yes, can you name number two? Jerry Rice has 197 receiving touchdowns. Um, is it Terrell Owens? No, he's three. Okay. Two what? is... Terrell Owens is three with 153. Two's Randy Moss. Two is Randy Moss with 156. That's the easy part. Now, we talk about the NFL being a passing league nowadays and, and airing the ball out. Can you name the only active player that has over 100 touchdowns receiving? Is it Larry Fitzgerald? No, sir. Wow. Larry Fitzgerald has 96. Antonio Gates. Sorry, he has 98. I thought that was a six. <laughs> it is Antonio Gates. I believe he got it last year, 104. Okay. He has. I thought that was kind of shocking to hear that there's only one active guy that has over 100 touchdowns. When you, when you think of the, the state of the league and how it's a passing league. Yeah. Um, I would have thought Steve Smith would be up there too, but I guess... Um, He's probably just short of Fitz. I'm surprised Fitz is not there yet. But, you know, the one thing that's changed along with the NFL being a passing league is the life cycle of an NFL player is so much shorter than I think it was back then. Very much so. Steve Smith has 76. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's guys... And they're talking about him as a Hall of Famer. Yeah, there's guys like Brandon Marshall ahead of him. Wow. There was, someone, there was someone else active ahead of him, too. I, I lost it. Uh, Calvin Johnson, but he's not active anymore. No. That's that's a good question. That's interesting. You know, Gates, it's tricky because you wouldn't think of him, but, you know, Tony Gonzalez is another guy I thought would be up there in, in the touchdowns. I don't know where he's at all time. Sixth with 111. Yeah. Gates is right behind him. Wow, so he might catch him this year if he has a nice year. Yeah, and uh, is, it, is it Harrison that's getting in the Hall of Fame or Wayne? Right now? Yeah, one of those two is going in well, this Re- year, I believe. Reggie Wayne just retired last year, so it's not him. That's Harrison. Yeah. Harrison's fifth with 128. Dude, he was good. Yeah. He was so. really good. All right, well, thanks for joining me tonight to talk running backs. I know uh, you're getting really excited, um, and so am I. You know, I'm still winding down fantasy baseball season, but you're about to hit the point of the year where you really get into fantasy sports here. So I know you, you can't wait for draft day, which, like I said, is a little over three weeks away for us. Can't wait. <laughs> See you at Foxborough next week. <laughs> All, right. All right, Ed, thanks for joining me. Um, and, yeah, we'll get together sometime here in the next week or two to talk wide receivers.